Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen, amen. When you do that, you can take your seat for a moment. Praise God. Anybody happy to be in the house of God this beautiful Sunday morning? Amen. Praise God. I give thanks, man. We, we, uh, we just got back from uh, Rio Bravo. We went, to, we went to Mexico, to Monterrey, and um, Pastor Melissa, she, had a, she, she got four of her wisdom teeth uh, removed. And man, she'll tell you like a champ, man. She didn't even flare up or anything. I'm, I'm, she's got that immune system. I, it's, it's all, the only thing that's it's rough for me is she can't eat. She can't eat. So, you know, you know wives, get, wives get hangry. <laughs> They get hangry, so pray for me, but, but we're good, and thank God. <laughs> pray, for, pray for me, because, <laughs> amen. Uh, but praise God, man. God is good. We had, a, we had an awesome week. I hope that you are blessed. Amen. Um, this, this, uh, this Sunday, man, I've, I, uh, I have been wanting to, to ask this, this preacher. I'm not, we're going to have a special preacher this morning, and, and, and she's, a, she's a mighty woman of God, and and she's preached here before, and I, I recently she preached in our Spanish service, and, and I was like, man, we're going to get you on the English service pretty soon. So we got, we got her this day, and I know that God has spoken to her. Um, she is a powerhouse. She is a, a anointed. She's a, an awesome singer and worship leader, and she's going to bring the word this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Sister Leah if she, can, if she can make her way up here this morning. Escorted by her beautiful husband, Juan. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hello, Numa. Uh, good morning still, yes. <laughs> Pastor Ryan, first of all, I want to thank you for this opportunity um, to bring the word to you guys. It is um, always an honor, and it's also a, a, not a burden, <laughs> but I take this not lightly. It's not something that, you know, you just come up here and say whatever you feel like saying. It's something that you've got to really ask the Lord, what do you have, not for me, but for the church this morning? And it is a word, I think most preachers will agree, they're usually words that speak to us first, that we need to give to the, uh, also share with the congregation. And so uh, I'm excited to bring the word this morning. I'm excited uh, to, for this opportunity. Um, we're going to go ahead and if you can stand, we're going to open up our Bibles in 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 5. 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 5. It'll be up there as well if you don't have your Bibles, but all right. And it reads, in the spring at the time when the kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around in the roof in the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to go fi find out about her. And the man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent a messenger to go get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleansiness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. 
<laughs> okay, let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, at this time we come up to your presence. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. Father God, we thank you because we know that your presence is in this place. It has been in this place since we walked in this morning, Father God, and we thank you for what you are going to do with hearts and expectation to see more of your glory, God. I pray that you would just be with us in the midst of this word, Father, that you would open up our ears to listen and our hearts to receive what you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, y'all may be seated. So um, as usual, uh, I, I get the invitation to preach, and then I go, and, I, and in my prayer closet, I'm just like, okay, God, give me a word. Give me a word that the, the, the people need. Give me a word that's from you. Let me not be led by emotions. And it usually, you know, I'll, I'll hone in on that prayer when it's like the week of, <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, God, I really haven't heard from you. I think this is what you want me to go to, but I'm not too sure. And it always seems like it's what I'm facing that week that the that the war, the Lord wants to bring forth and so the title of today's message is distractions right and so how many of y'all um have you know we've experienced distractions there's distractions they come in many shapes and forms there's a quote that I wanted to share with you guys it says if the devil can't make you bad he'll make you busy right? So the enemy will bring distractions in our lives. They don't necessarily have to be bad distractions. Sometimes they're good distractions, but they keep us busy and they keep us from what God has for us. So distractions come in various forms. As I was saying, it can be a job. It can be a relationship. It can be our phones sometimes, right? How many of y'all have iPhone? I always get it every Sunday morning and it's like, your screen time was up today, up this week, 19%. I was like, well, don't judge me. <laughs> but, you know, we get those little notifications. Uh, but our phones can be a distraction. Sometimes a doctor's report can be a distraction. Our finances. And the list just goes on and on and on. So, like I was saying, they don't necessarily have to be bad. But they're distractions nonetheless. And so, in this, in this story, we're reading 2 Samuel. We're speaking about King David. I'm going to share a little bit about his life. So, his life starts, the first time David is mentioned is in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And it runs through the rest of 2 Samuel. And so, David was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king. Saul was still reigning, but the Lord had turned his face away from Saul. And so, he goes to the house of Jesse. And Jesse has many sons. And, you know, Samuel thought, well, maybe this one. And maybe that one, or oh no, maybe this one. But God was like, don't look at the outward appearance because I look at the heart. And so God was seeing the heart of David, and that's what called his attention to David. So David's anointed king, but that doesn't mean he becomes king right away. He still has to go through that process, that molding process, that those times of intimacy. And so we see throughout the chapters that he's being used by God. Um, there's a part where Saul was being tormented by a, a spirit, and so David comes and he plays the harp, and that eases Saul for a while, and that's how David and Saul get to know each other a little bit. And then we just see jealousy coming over Saul as um, uh, David becomes more popular among the kingdom. He has victory over Goliath, right? We know the story, David and Goliath. Um, he faces that giant. And I love what it says um, in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 and 46. It says here, this is David going to the camp and he's hearing this giant just blaspheming and saying a bunch of horrible stuff. And he finally says, you know what? Why is everybody so scared? I'm going to get rid of this guy. He's saying 
all kinds of contrary stuff to our God. And so David says to this Philistine, to this giant, he says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of angel armies whom you have defiled. And then he goes on to say, I love this part. He says, this day, so not tomorrow, not maybe at the end of this war. No, this day with confidence, David is saying, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down, cut your head off and the very this very day I will give your carcasses to the Philistine army to the of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel so that's who David was David had that kind of confidence because of his walk with the Lord right and so we see him having victory he's he's um, just focusing on the Lord he God is using him in mighty ways there's a little chant that the world was I mean that the the Israel was saying like uh, David killed uh, Saul killed a thousand, but David killed his ten thousand, and so we begin to see Saul's a little bit like okay, wait, hold on, who is this little guy? Who does he think he is, right? And so we, um, at some point he becomes king. That Saul ends up falling, and he becomes king. But all this time he's focused. We see David on a roll. He's focused. He's being used to play the harp. He's being used on the battlefield. It even said m- m- multiple times that he um, he lived wisely, that he reacted wisely, that he acted wisely. But then he gets distracted here in the palace, right? And that's what we were reading in Second Samuel chapter eleven. In that beginning of the, that chapter, was saying that when in the time when the kings were supposed to go off to war, David sent his army. And he stayed in the palace. So distractions come when our guard is down, right? Right? They don't come when we're ready, we're fired up, we're here at the vigilia, praying all night long, we're ready for it. If if someone comes full of a a bad spirit, we know to come against it in the name of Jesus, and we cover ourselves with the blood of Jesus, but it's when we're out there, right? When we're busy, when someone cut us off in the highway, when, um, when we're at school and someone said something about it, when we're just, when we're, our guard is down, that's when the distractions come. And so we see that David is distracted in the palace. He sends Bathsheba over. He sins with her, right? And then there's consequences. It's shortly after, um, she says, I'm pregnant. She lets him know, he tries an ordeal to make it fix it and make it work, but it doesn't happen the way he wants it to happen. And so he gets rid of the distraction, uh, not the distraction, <laughs> he gets rid of her husband and then he marries her and he's like, oh, now she's pregnant. Well, thank you, Jesus. Right. But that's not how it happened. He was trying to cover up his sin, but we can't hide anything from God. How many of y'all realize that? Right? There's nothing, we can, we can hide it from our pastor, we can hide it from our leaders, we can hide it even sometimes from our spouse, but we can't hide it from God. And so God sends the prophet Nathan, and he's, Nathan gives this little analogy, right? And he's talking to David and giving this scenario, this parable, if you would. And then David's like, oh, that is so wrong. No, this and this and this needs to be done for justice to be served. And then Nathan was like, well, you're that man right? And you're the one that did wrong and you're the one that, that sinned. And so here's the consequences. And he lists out some consequences that David's going to suffer because of this distraction, because of what happened. So distractions come into our lives. Number one, to rob us of our peace. Distractions come in our lives to rob us of our peace. If we go to second Samuel 
Um, chapter 12, we're going to be reading from verse 15. So this is after Nathan has confronted him. This is after he's already told him the little parable and David was like, what? That's, that's messed up. Nathan was like, well, this is you. So here it is. It says, after Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had become, had born with, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for this child. He fasted and spent nights and nights laying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood before him to get him up of the ground, and he refused. He would not even eat with them. So we see here, does that explain somebody that's at peace? Does it sound like David had peace in his heart in those verses? No. David had lost his peace. And so when we, we entertain the distractions, they rob us of our peace. And so like I was telling you guys, I was praying, God, what do you want me to, to, to speak to Numa? And Monday hits. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so I go to work and work was fine. Worked half a day because I was going to have an appointment um, to see uh, a little bit more information on baby JJ. And so we're there, and right before, literally minutes before leaving the house for this appointment, we get a knock at the door, and they give us a paper, and it's basically, all the man had to say was like, you've been served, (laughs) because I had to sign for this form, and I was like, what is going on? And so we open up this form, and it's just letting us know that we were delinquent on some fees that we thought were being covered, and so now this is a distraction on our finances, and I'm just like, hmm. Well, Jesus, <laughs> this is how Monday's going to be. All right. And so we drive to this appointment knowing that the news we were going to receive in this appointment was very important. And so as soon as we get that letter, I'm just like, mm, my, my spirit is troubled. <laughs> and I don't know if God's just like preparing me, like, you know, might not be what you want to hear in this appointment. You're declaring victory, but it might not be what you want to hear just yet. And so we're driving over there and I'm quiet and I'm just trying to figure out what's going on with this, this fee that we're receiving. And then we get to the doctor's appointment. And of course the doctor's report isn't what we wanted to hear. It's not, not, JJ's great. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Baby's fine, but it just moves our timeline around with what we heard from the doctor. And so another distraction, right? A doctor's report. That's not quite what you wanted to hear. And I'm just like, Hmm, let me take that in. And then while we're there, my husband gets a phone call that sets our timeline again for baby a little bit haywire. And so all these things were coming on and piling on. And I was just like, God, I don't see you. <laughs> I don't see you in this circumstance. I know you've been faithful, but I don't see it. And how, how, how many of y'all are married here? How many couples we have here? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. How many of y'all are grateful for your helpmate, right? It seems every time that when Juan's feeling a little low, I'm fired up and I'm like, oh, and I'm speaking life, speaking life, speaking life. And then there'll be times when I'm feeling low and Juan's just like, babe, God's got us. Like, what are you worried about? And I'm looking at him like, were you not at the same doctor's appointment that I was at? Like, have you not been with me this whole time? Have you not been hit with the same distractions, like the same news? What's wrong with you? What do you mean God's got us? But he's so right. God's got us. Even when we don't see it, we've got to believe it, right? We sing that song, Waymaker. He's a miracle worker. Even when we don't see it, he's working. And so distractions come to rob us of our peace. And I've got to be honest, guys, it doesn't matter how many years you've been in the church. I grew up in the church. I was one of those kids wandering around and sleeping under the benches. Distractions hit 
And if you entertain them, they rob you of your peace. And so that Monday, I was robbed of my peace. This Monday, this just this Monday, August 29th, <laughs> I was robbed of my peace. And it wasn't until we got to my, my in-law's house and my father-in-law was just praying over us and declaring life. And then I was able to breathe again. But I had that ugly, like, you know, the <laughs> kind of cry. Like it was that kind of loss of peace, right? And that's our lives without God. The Bible says that God grants us peace that passes all understanding, right? But to have that peace, to entertain that peace, there's an antidote, right? To entertain, to have that kind of peace, it also says that you've got to come to him. Do not be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. And so we were talking about it in the Spanish service. We were talking about it during worship. We've got to have a life of prayer because our distractions are going to come. They're going to come. And if we want them to, to not rob us of our peace and we want to stay focused, we've got to have a life of prayer. That's what David had. And yes, he was distracted. And yes, he did lose his peace. But we'll see shortly after that he, after what was, what was spoken, he got up shook himself off, dusted himself off, and moved on. So distractions come to rob us of our peace. But number two, they also come to delay God's plan and purpose for our lives. So um, if, we allow them to, if we allow them to, they can derail our purpose in our lives. So we always hear about that, that Bible verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. It's very popular when the kids are graduating high school or going into college. Can anybody tell me what it says? Yes. So it says, for I know the plans I have. We have a proud pastor. He's like, oh yeah, my people know the word. (laughs) So it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future, right? So God, before we were born, there's other Bible verses that say, I knew you before I I, I formed you in your mother's womb. And so Jesus, God has plans for us. He has a purpose for us. But if we allow distractions to come, they can completely derail God's plans in our lives. And I want to continue with Jeremiah 29, 11. On chapter 12, it says, then you will call me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Verse 13, very important. You will seek me and find me when, right? You will seek me and find me. We all stop at verse 11. You have plans to prosper me and to harm me. Oh yes, God, it's going to be great. It's going to be a bed of roses. And then when the distractions come, when we get that phone call, when we get that news report, when we get that, whatever it may be, it's like, um, how is this supposed to prosper me? This, this seems like it's harming me. I don't understand what's going on. Well, verse 13 says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Come on, Yuma. It goes back to prayer. We got to have that communion. We got to have that relationship with God, with the Holy Spirit, because distractions come. But if we want them to not derail our plans, to not derail God's plan and purpose in our lives, then we need to stay focused and stay prayed up. So like I mentioned, it can be a relationship. How many of y'all have ever been in a relationship that completely sets you outside of God's will and plan and purpose for your life? How many of y'all have ever had a job, right? It's like, oh man, but that job, the salary is great and the pay is going to be perfect, but your surroundings keep you from being Christ-like. Or maybe God called you to be the light at that job, but instead of being a light, you're hiding it behind a bush. Oh no, we're supposed to let it shine. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? So guys, do not, distractions come to delay God's plans and purpose for our lives. Can you imagine what David's reign would have been like if he hadn't sinned? So as I mentioned, Samuel, uh, Nathan comes to him, tells him there's going to be consequences for what you did. Number one, the baby that they bore together died, right? It, it passed away. And then also he said there's going to be discord in your own family, Right, And then not only that, but he also mentioned, since you were unfaithful, your wives will be unfaithful to you. So all of this, this discord and nonsense, family discord, there was death, there was division and separation. Can you imagine what David's reign would have been like without that? Can you imagine what, he's, he's still known as a great king of Israel. He's still spoken of today as a man after God's own heart, but imagine how much greater his reign would have been if he had not entertained that distraction and allowed it to derail uh, for a moment his purpose in life. So the good news is, however, all we have to do is get up and get back on track. And like I mentioned, that's what we see with David in 2 Samuel chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12 verses 19 through 25. And it says, so David, we had already mentioned, was on the floor, laying, not at peace, didn't want to eat, interceding, please God, have mercy on my child. And this is after the fact, after the fact that the child had died. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized that the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground. He washed himself, put on lotion and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went into his own house and, his, and requested to be served with food. His attendants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and, and eat? And he answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. And I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And so David didn't stay there. He didn't dwell on that consequence. He didn't dwell on the negativity. He got himself up, dusted himself off, learned from that mistake, and moved forward, right? Never again in the, the books of Samuel do we hear about David committing adultery again. We don't hear about this sin happening again. He learned his lesson. So the good thing about distractions is that we have the opportunity to learn and grow and be better and be stronger. And so David got up. He returned to, he returned to God. He left behind the distraction. See, when we return to God, God is good and he cleanses us. He makes us new and he gives us a fresh start. Right? But it, it, it nos depende de nosotros. It, it depends on us to get up from that circumstance, to get out of that situation, to, 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 to turn ourselves away from that distraction and not entertain it anymore. So David has a comeback, right? We see the comeback kid here in David's life. While there were so many repercussions for his decisions, David did something that no king of Israel had done for, in 400 years. No leader, no king, no governor could do in 400 years. He bought peace 
for Israel. God was still with him. He used him in battle. He conquered left and right. He was still known, as I mentioned, as a man after God's own heart. Why? Because when that distraction came into his life, when that sin came into his life, he recognized it, he repented, and he moved on. Right? So, Numa, I'm here to tell you this morning, distractions are going to come. Man, if I would have dwelt on what happened on Monday, I probably wouldn't have come to church today. I'd have been like, what's the point? Why? It's not. God, you don't understand. I stood here and I declared Monday we were going to get a good report. God, this is going to be great. Like my faith is in you. My trust is in you. And it didn't happen. And sometimes it happens, right? Sometimes we come to God and it's like, this is what I want. And I know you can do it. And I have faith. God, I believe. And when it doesn't come out the way we wanted it, when it doesn't happen in our timetable, when it doesn't happen the way we imagine, it's easy to lose faith. It's easy to entertain that distraction and be like, well, God, where are you? I don't see it. Where have you been? I, I, I'm standing. I'm, I'm believing. But God, see, God is a good God. And in the nick of time, not when we want it, not how we want it, not how we planned, but God will come through. He is not a man to lie or a son of man to go back on what he has said. And so I'm here to tell somebody this morning here, I don't know what you've prayed for, and I don't know what you're on the verge of losing faith over, but God is saying, I'm still in it. If you would just still believe, if you would just give it to me in my time, it'll happen the way I want it to happen. I was telling my mom about it, and I was just like, mom, on Monday, and this and this and that and that, and she was like, and I told her, but we were there in the appointment, and Angel pointed this out to us as well. When we were at that appointment, they told us, whatever, whatever we see today on the scans will determine X, Y, Z. And so that, like, that was the day they were going to tell us what was going to happen. And so we're there, and then the doctor changes what she had said. She was like, well, it's not quite where we want it to be. It's not quite what we want to see, but we're going to check back in four weeks. Isn't that God? At first, they were like, today, this is a definitive day. If nothing's moved, nothing's changed here, this is what's going to happen. And then they're like, no, let's check back in four weeks. So God still has time to move. But I'm here standing on firm ground, declaring that even if it's not the way me and my husband are praying it to be, even if it doesn't come out the way we're declaring or wanting it to be, we know that God is faithful. We know that God will see us through because he's done it in the past and he will do it again. And so, Numa, it was a short message. <laughs> I'm going to ask the, uh, Vivian if I can get you. I'm asking you this morning, Numa, what is your Bathsheba? What does it look like? What is that distraction in your life? What is it that has kept you from your prayer room? What is it that has kept you from fulfilling what God has for you this morning? Again, God was putting it on our pastor Danny's heart about prayer and about intercession. And then I was, as I was praying and interceding, I was like, God, search, the way the Bible says, search me and know me, O Lord. Reveal if there's any wicked way in me. And I think that's also for this service. God wants us to pray, God, what are the distractions in my life 
that are keeping me from the next level of intimacy with you? God, what are the distractions in my life that are keeping me from experimenting and going from glory to glory to glory? What is it that I'm entertaining? What is, is it my job? Is it a relationship? Is it a television show? Is it my phone? Whatever it may be. But the only way that God can reveal that to us is if we come to him. If we ask him, what does your distraction look like today? What does your Bathsheba look like today? What has taken your peace? What has shaken your faith? What has kept you from what God has for you? I'm going to ask you all to stand. And I want you to really ask yourselves that question. You know, the, the, the church, like I said, it doesn't matter how many years, how many years you grew up in church. It doesn't matter how many years you've been uh, in, in leadership, right? We can still entertain these distractions. We can still fall to them. And so I want you to ask that for God this morning. God, that you would search my heart. That you would reveal to me, Father God, if I'm, I'm being blinded by the enemy, if, I, if there's a distraction that is keeping me from reaching you, if there's something that is keeping me from the next level, God, that you would just come and reveal it to me, Jesus. Father God, we worship you. We worship you. As I was mentioning, Philippians 4, 7 says and speaks about that peace of God. That peace that surpasses all understanding. The word says, do not be anxious about anything. But instead, in prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And then, that, and then, and then the peace that passes all understanding will come upon you. See, there's all, in, in, in the Bible, there's always a this, then that. Right? We like to focus on the that. I want that, but there's a this, there's a, a prerequisite, there's something we got to do. And so we got to come to God in prayer and thanksgiving. That's another thing, prayer and thanksgiving. God, this is what I need, and I thank you because I know you are moving. And I thank you because I know that you are doing. I thank you because I know that your ways are higher. The altar is open. Ask God, what is it that is distracting me? What is it that is keeping me awake at night? What is it that is keeping me from declaring your promises? What is it that is keeping me from believing? And even if you don't have all the faith in the world, there's a man in the Bible that says, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. And if that's you today, there's no shame in that. Believe and ask God to help your unbelief. We're interceding. We're praying for miracles. We're praying for salvation. We're praying for for revival. But we've got to be ready. Our hearts got to be ready. We can't be distracted, church. We can't be distracted with stuff around us if we want to see revival. We can't be distracted if we want to declare salvation. We can't be distracted if we want to set the captives free through Jesus. We've got to be prayed up. We've got to be distractionless. We've got to be focused. And so as I said, the altar is open. Just come and, 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 and like the Bible says, cast your cares unto the Lord. 
Father God, we worship you this morning. Father God, I just pray that you would just search our hearts. Every individual, every household, every marriage represented in this place, God. That you would be the one that seeks, searches, Father God, and reveals to us areas where we are lacking. Father God, reveal to us where we've entertained where we've been distracted, Father God, where we have lost communion with you, Father, and bring us back to our first love. Bring us back to you, Jesus. Bring us back to that passion of seeking you in spirit and in truth. Bring us back to declaring your promises even when we can't see them. Bring us back, Father God, to moving in the supernatural, Father God, and moving with eyes of faith and not eyes of flesh, God. Bring us back to that, Jesus. For you promised that the glory, the glory, glory after Father God would be greater than the first. La gloria postrera será mayor que la primera. Father God, we declare that over this church. I declare that over every family represented by Numa God. I pray and come against distractions in the name of Jesus. Father God, that that distraction would be revealed Father, that you would be able to enlighten the eyes of those that have been distracted and blinded by the enemy. I declare today, God, that their lives will be changed and impacted, that you would speak to them in a way that they understand is from your spirit, is from you, Father God, and they would choose to turn, turn from their wicked ways and seek your face, that we would seek your face this morning. listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.